All right, look at verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now we're going to go back to that passage here in a little bit. And we're going to look at more of this passage. But the title of my message is Blindness of Heart. And notice what it mentioned, how it mentions in there. It talks about the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Have you ever tried just explaining a simple truth to somebody from the Bible and they just couldn't seem to get it? I mean, how about something like salvation? I mean, is the plan of salvation complicated at all? No, it is a very simple plan of salvation, yet many people can't seem to get it, can they? And what's the problem? A person who does not get saved, the reason they're not getting saved is because they have a heart problem. Sometimes they literally can't see it, but there's a reason they can't see it. Their, their minds or their eyes spiritually are being obstructed by something. There's reasons that they can't see these truths. There's sins that are often in the way that's stopping them from seeing the truth. Okay, so for example, if I was up here and I'm wearing a blindfold, and then I'm walking in, into things and I'm bumping into things, you all would understand why I'm walking into stuff. It's because I'm wearing a blindfold. Okay? And that blindfold is going to obstruct my vision and I'm going to have problems. And there are sins that are in the lives of people today that obstruct their vision where they have a blindness of heart and just truths of salvation they can't see or just other spiritual truths. I mean, you can show them clear doctrine in the Bible and they just can't seem to get it. I mean, just real basic things. And you know, you do, you just want, like, you know, how come people can't see this? You know, why is it that the world can't see that, you know, this shacking up thing doesn't work? You know, that, you know, staying pure until marriage is better. Why is it that the world can't seem to see that raising children according to the Word of God is better? Why can't, why is it that the world can't see that evolution is just a fraud and a lie? You know, these things that we all seem to see very clearly, these things that we seem to understand, why is it that some people can't see it? And the reason it's blindness of heart. But that blindness that they have, it's not a blindness that, like, some people are just blind and they can't see because of, like, a, like an illness or something. No, this blindness is because there's something that's in front of them. There's something that is obstructing their vision. There is a blindness of heart that they have. We'll see a passage in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself where it talks about the Jews when they read the Scriptures. There's a veil over their heart. That veil is stopping them from seeing the truth. And there are there's many people today, a lot of the false prophets. We're going to be looking at some passages about false prophets. And there's reasons they can't see the things that they see. You know, have you ever have you ever listened to one of these false prophets get up and preach some of their heresy? And it's like, how do they do that with a straight face? Well, the reason they can do that with a straight face is because they believe what they're saying. But they're like, how can they believe what they're saying? It's because they have a blindness of heart. And the Bible's going to get real clear and it gets real specific as to what's going on and what is stopping these people from seeing the truth. And we need to get this too because even if you're saved today, there are sins that will blind us to certain things that will blind our hearts where we won't see basic truths. So this isn't something that's just for lost people or for false prophets. There are some things in here that are very important for us too. And so many the, the ignorance that many people have today, you know, ignorance can be very dangerous, can't it? I mean, if you're ignorant about just basic 
laws of morality. Can't that get you in trouble? You know, can't that ruin a person's life? You know, if you're just you know sleeping around and fooling around, I mean, there's some pretty devastating consequences to that. And most people, they don't realize that not only is what they're not doing safe physically, but I mean, it's it's wrong. It's against God's law, and it's wicked. But many of these people are just ignorant, and ignorance can be dangerous. The Apostle Paul, he persecuted the church, didn't he? But you know what? As wicked as the Apostle Paul was. And people always like to use Paul as an example to prove like a reprobate can get saved. But remember, a reprobate is somebody who knew the truth and then they rejected it. But what did the Apostle Paul say when he was talking about before I was a blasphemer and injurious? He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Okay. Now, while Paul, what he did, or what Saul at the time, while what he did was in ignorance, okay, was that ignorance not dangerous for other people? Did that ignorance not hurt Stephen pretty bad? It got him killed. Did that ignorance not end up hurting all the families that he persecuted? It did hurt them, didn't it? And there's a lot of people out there who are dangerously ignorant. They're ignorant because they're in high places. They're in places of influence and high position. And their ignorance is very dangerous ignorance because they're leading people astray. And the thing is, these people have a blindness of heart. That's why they are as ignorant as they are. In fact, just about a week ago, I listened to a sermon by Pastor Keith Gomez where he made literally some of the most ignorant statements I've ever heard in my life from a Baptist preacher. This is a man who pastors a very large church, who has a large Bible college, who has national conferences. He influences many, many preachers. Some that I know uh, personally was a big influence on my life for a long time. And he was preaching a message about restoring a marriage when there's been an adultery. He used one Scripture in the whole message. One. A verse from Job where Job said, that which I feared has come upon me. And he preaches like an hour message, going to tell everybody how to restore. Because listen, that's a pretty big thing, okay? When adultery happens in a marriage, that is a devastating thing. All right, that is a that's a big deal. And I believe they can be restored. I believe I believe they can be restored. I believe there's ways to do that. But you know what? You're going to need a lot of Bible to help with that, especially on the forgiveness end. You're going to need a lot of Bible on that, and to use one verse from Job that's not even about adultery. And he was preaching. And I'm, I'm, it's when you hear these stupid statements that was said, and then you look at what the Bible teaches, you're going to be like, man, you're accusing him of some pretty bad things. But I'm not accusing him. The Bible's accusing him. Because this is what he said. So he's preaching, and all of a sudden he's like, he's like, you know what some of your problem is? He's like, you know, I forgot how, I forgot how he started out, but he made the claim in this message that not tithing is worse than committing adultery. He's like, y'all are looking at me funny. I'm thinking, I wonder why they're looking at him funny. He said, not tithing is worse than committing adultery. And you know what he said? Because you know, he, he said, you know, it's amazing that American Christians deem adultery and sex sins far worse than any other sins. Well, listen, there's a reason for it because those things are very devastating in a marriage. You, you can't undo some of these things. And he said the innocent party always wants blood. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can kind of see why. I know my wife would be calling for blood if that ever happened in, in our relationship. And this is what he said. He said, show me in the Bible where God Almighty killed people for sex sins. That's what he said. And then he said, I will show you in the Bible where God killed people for robbing God and touching that which is sanctified. He said, I'll show you in the Bible where God killed people for not tithing. And then he proceeded to show them. And here's his examples. Ananias and Sapphira. That's not about tithing. He used Achan, who took of the accursed thing. That was not about tithing. And then guess what? This was great. Eve taking of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You say, what does that have to do with tithing? All trees come from ten, ten different trees. There was that one tree represents the tithe. You know that belongs to God, and she, basically her doing that was taking the tithe and plunged the whole human race into you know got got them all in trouble for stealing the tithe. Now you say, how could you preach a message about restoring an adulterous relationship and get on a stupid side note like that about tithing? Well, when we look at some of these passages, you'll see why. But I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about it. And I'm just I'm like when he said that, I'm thinking. Show me the Bible where God Almighty killed people for sex sins. Let me show you a few. How about 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14? Alright, I could go on and on about this, but how be it? This is after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He said, How be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. The child that was conceived out of adultery, God killed it. There's one example. And then he was talking about something later too with tithing. And he was like, that's New Testament. You know, because it's always more important if it comes from New Testament. Because, you know, Old Testament, you know, that was a different dispensation. But he was using New Testament examples. So I'm going to just mostly show you New Testament examples. Alright? Which would often refer to Old Testament examples and say, hey, remember what happened to them in the Old Testament? And they would tell, they would tell the people that as a warning to us. Proving that it doesn't matter. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. This was a wicked sexual relationship. Verse 4, he says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He said, we're going to turn that guy over to Satan for what? For the destruction of the flesh. That the Spirit may be saved. The day of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because this guy had a wicked relationship going on in the New Testament church era. And they're saying, you know what? Deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Chapter 10 and verse 8, he says, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day Three and twenty thousand. Twenty three thousand people got killed in one day for sex sins. And he must have missed that story somewhere. How about in Jude one verse seven? It says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the avengeance of eternal fire. He's saying, Hey, just like God killed all of them, that's an example for us. That God is going to deal with sin. So not only has God punished it in the past, but you know what? A lot of the sin that's going to be punished in the future is going to be because of fornication. 
When God is pouring out His wrath in Revelation, one of the things He's saying, neither repented they of their fornications. Okay? God's not done killing people for this kind of stuff. In Revelation 2.14, it says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there, there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou, thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So he specifically referred to the doctrine of Balaam. He specifically said what Balaam caused him to do. He caused the Israel to commit fornication, and God said, You repent of this thing. Why? Verse 20, or in verse 16, because repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. He's like saying, I'm going to kill you if you don't repent of this. Verse 20. Says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except that they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Revelation 9.18 says, By these three were the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths, for their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their, their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone, of wood which either can see nor hear, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Does it look like God ever quit the business of killing people because of sex sins? He's been doing that, and we only scratched the surface on that because that's not what this whole message is about. But I illustrate all that to show you the ignorance. Do you realize how ignorant of a statement that is? You know, we all say dumb things sometimes. But I mean, good night. How do you forget all those stories? I mean, how do you how do you say that? Now, here's what I think. I think obviously he's got on his mind. I need more money out of all of you. I, that's what you're. I mean, yeah. That's what it is. And, and, I, and we'll see that in the Bible here in a minute. That's why he's thinking that way. Because there's no way he's never read the story about the 23,000 being killed in one day. There's no way he's never read the story about David's child being killed. Because that there's no way. But here's the thing. He didn't see it. He can't see it. Why? Because something is obstructing his vision. That would cause him not to see that, but yet see everything about tithing. In fact, he's seeing things about tithing that aren't even there. He's seeing so good. That's how, that's how good he's seeing things. Why is this? What is the reason for this ignorance? It is called blindness of heart. So back in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 17, it mentions in verse 17, you know, the vanity of their mind. In verse 18, having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That word lascivious right there, it means uh, the definition is looseness, irregular indulgence of animal desires. Okay, wantness, lustfulness. The Bible talks in Jude about them turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. There are people out there that they are just so carnal, 
They are so full of the flesh, they make grace like it's just this license to just go do whatever you feel like doing. And they do. They get these same people that are like that. They get caught up in all the things of the flesh, no matter how vile they are. And that, you know, that lasciviousness, when it talks about that animal desires, you know what it reminds me of? Okay, you all know how, how I feel about dogs, alright? We used to have this one dog, and it was the best of the dogs that we ever had, alright? And he wasn't a very good dog. And I, I guess he was, he was just a dog, alright? What I'm about to tell you is just him being a dog. But I remember, you know, I always had to feed him, and you give him the regular dry food, and he wasn't usually real enthusiastic about that food, but occasionally, I remember my parents would get this Alpo dog food in a can that was wet, and whenever he would see that, he would just go crazy. And I hated that stuff. It smelled horrible. And it would gross me out to watch him eat it. And I remember I'd take that thing and I'd go trying to shake it all out of the can. And he's like jumping at it while it's coming out of the can. I'm thinking, it, it, you know, and I remember as soon as it would start to come out of the can, he'd just get the whole thing in his mouth and just swallow it. And it was just, it was disgusting. And it would just gross me out every time I had to give that to him. It was just like, you know, chill, you know. Enjoy it, but you know what? He's a dog, all right. You know that's just how they are. They just, they just dive into whatever they feel like doing. That, that's what they do. And you know what? There's people that are like that. They are so wicked. They are so vile. Just whatever they feel like doing, nothing is going to get in between them and what they want to do. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness. Their God is their belly. They're just going to give themselves whatever they want. They are completely sold out. To the flesh, and we see there he talks about them turning the. Uh, they've given themselves over into lasciviousness. Look at this to work all uncleanness with greediness. All right, this is just greed. I've got something I want for myself. Okay, you know I I need something, and many preachers today are motivated by greed. That's why many people would preach a message about adultery and yet spend it all talking about tithing seeing things that aren't there. You know, you've got a couple in the church, you know, it sounded like from the message that a husband had probably cheated on his wife and his wife wasn't being very forgiving. Well, listen, you ought to be forgiving, but and he kept talking about, you know, because he made a mistake. That's, listen, sometimes we slip up, you know, you might say a bad word, you might lose your temper, say something you wish you hadn't, but adultery you don't just accidentally commit adultery. There's a lot that goes into it. Sometimes we sin, we don't even realize what we're doing, maybe we don't know any better, but when you commit adultery, listen, you know if you're married or not. All right? You know you got married. You went somewhere and you said, you made a vow saying, I promise to keep myself only unto her for as long as we both shall live. Okay? When you got married, you knew crystal clear she's supposed to be it. Okay? And so when somebody else comes along, alright, it's, it's not a mistake. Okay? I mean, you willfully went out of your way and I'm not, you know, you know sometimes, you know, one of the kids spilled a drink at the restaurant, you know? That's a mistake. Okay? You know, they were being hyper when it happened, but you know, they, they weren't planning on doing that, alright? But committing adultery, to call that a mistake is to really make light of a very wicked sin. That you, don't, you know, that's just like saying I accidentally choked the guy to death. You know, <laughs> that's that's really hard to do. In fact, it would be easier to accidentally choke a guy to death than commit adultery. I mean, that's a bad example. 
But, you know, at the same time, you, you see this, but it's like, so what's the motivation here? Well, listen, I don't know. Seeing how he's still only seeing dollar signs when preaching about adultery, I don't know. Maybe this is a good giving couple in the church. If they get divorced, you know, that's going to hurt a lot of things. And, you know, they're probably going to quit going to church. And, you know, that's another time check gone. You know, that, that seems to be the motivation right there. And it says right here in the Bible, you know, they're, they're understanding, you know, they're, or they're being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. They can't see simple things. Why? They've given themselves over into lasciviousness. Just trying to get what they can out of greediness. That, that's what the Bible says, alright? This isn't what, this isn't what I'm saying. This is what the Bible says. And we don't have time to go into all the rest of the Scripture there. I need to move on to some of these other Scriptures. But turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. So why do they have a blind heart? Okay, What is it that's getting in the way? Well, it says right here in 2 Corinthians 3.12, it says, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Right there, he's saying, hey, we're using great plainness of speech here. Okay, The Gospel is not complicated. The Bible is simple. There's people out there that want to complicate it. And there's people that have made it complicated because like the Jews, they've got a veil over their heart. And he's saying right in here, he's like, listen, the New Testament, it's not like the Old Testament. When Moses went up and he received that law, that light that shone from Moses' face, remember they had to put a veil over it because the people couldn't look at it. They couldn't handle seeing it. They asked him to cover up his face. And they, you know, and they didn't want God to come down on the mount again. They asked that that would not take place again. I think I preached on this when I was going through Hebrews. And we see that with the New Testament, there is no veil there. There's nothing obstructing it. There is nothing blocking it for us. But for the Jews, there was something. They had a veil over their heart. And the reason for that is because these people, they did not want to accept the message. They wanted to receive salvation by the works of the law. They had a pride problem. That pride that they had is what lifted them up and made them say, we have Abraham as our father. They had a pride problem that made them want to be able to say, we know we're going to heaven because we keep the law, because we've done the circumcision, because we keep the feasts and the sacrifices. That, that was their motivation. And because they had a pride problem, they weren't able to see clear Scriptures. They weren't able to see this plain, simple plan of salvation, this faith alone in Jesus Christ without works. <clears throat> These people couldn't see it. And he said but he, in verse 15, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So these people, they had a blindness of heart problem. They had a veil over their heart because of sin. And truth, it can be taught with great plainness of speech. That's what Paul used. Paul didn't use enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul didn't speak in riddles. Paul kept it very simple. Even though he was a very educated guy and he could have looked smart, he didn't want to do that because he didn't want to glory. He wanted to keep it simple. But you know, deceivers, deceivers are always unclear. Deceivers like to talk in riddles. 
They like to use the great swelling words of man's wisdom. And they do this too because they're trying to obstruct things. They don't want the truth getting out there because it will reveal what they are. The reason they want to hide these things and obstruct things is because they are dirty. They are dirty themselves and therefore they can't see the truth. And turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. And we're going to see greed is a big part of it. Greed is going to be mentioned again. This is the problem with these false prophets. They like to make merchandise of people and take advantage because why? It's about consuming things on themselves. And people can be a great product. Okay? People can be a great product that can give you a lot of money if you can, you know, convince them of whatever it is you're trying to push. And they're these false prophets. That is their motivation. That's what they're out to do. And they're, they can't give too many truths. They can't do like the Apostle Paul and teach them the truth because it'll give them a spirit of liberty. And false prophets, they always want to keep you in bondage. But look at 2 Peter in chapter 2. And we'll start reading verse 1. It says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there should be false teachers among you, who shall privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And look at this. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Listen. I hate saying people are unsaved, especially if I like them. Okay? Right here in verse 3, he said they're going to, through covetousness, with feigned words, right? With twisted words, with lies, they're going to make merchandise of you. And it says right there, whose damnation slumbereth not. These people are on their way to hell. Now, I just, this week, <clears throat> I listened to three Brian Sharp messages. He said, why do you do these things? Sometimes I just need to get myself fired up. All right? And he was telling the people in this church, if you want God to bless your finances, go do something for a Jew. And he's not talking about giving them the Gospel. They give them stuff. All right? I read a bunch of these things at the Marching Design Conference. Brian Sharp, you got, they go and they help, their, they, uh, they help these people in these kibbutzes. They help them with. They get them bulletproof vests. They they were uh, Gary Way is another one of these guys. He was raising money for flashlights for their guns because we got to make sure they can see the Muslims when they're shooting at them. You know, adjustable stocks and everything. We got to make sure they're comfortable whenever they're shooting at Muslims. I mean, they are they are literally raising money to help kill Muslims, and I have their letters to prove it. I mean, it's on their website. They got four by fours out there in the Gentile ministries. They help them patrol these areas to keep the Muslims away from their stuff. This is how they're good to the Jews. And then he goes around and he likes to just brag about how blessed he is and all that God's doing for him. It's because of all he's doing for the Jews. You want people to bless you? Or you want God to bless you? Go do something for a Jew. Well, how am I going to do something for a Jew? I got to give money to the guy who's going to the Jews. He teaches people that it is our every Christian's priority to get the gospel to Jerusalem first. Not your Jerusalem, like we all people, churches always say. No, Jerusalem. We can't just get up and go to Jerusalem whenever we want, can we? So you know what we got to do? We got to give somebody money who is going to Jerusalem. And guess who that just happens to be? Brian Sharp. And what is he doing? With feigned words through covetousness. Hey, you need God, you know, 
sending, you know, you're having trouble with your credit card bills, write a check for $1,000. Give it to the Gentile ministry. We'll go use it to be a blessing to a Jew and God will bless you for it. What is he doing? Through covetousness, with feigned words, he's making merchandise of you. The Bible says their damnation slumbereth not. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. And I don't even have time, and I shouldn't even need to take time to prove how foolish all those statements were that I just quoted. But that is what he says. He says it everywhere he goes. Same spiel everywhere he goes. But then, uh, we'll skip these next verses. The next verse, he gives many examples of just people that God killed. All right, As a reminder that you know what? Judgment is going to come. God is going to deal with these people. But look at verse 10. It says, "...but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness..." And despise government, they are self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power might bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts, kind of like what I was talking about before, that just lascivious attitude, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of those things that they understand not, and they shall utterly perish in their own corruption. These guys, they, they don't know what they're talking about. It's not that they don't have high IQs. It's not that they're mentally disabled. It's that they are spiritually blinded. And so they say things that are just absolutely foolish. Brian Sharp is still talking about the Shekinah glory. Brian Sharp was talking about, you know, come with me to Jerusalem. I'll take you to the Mount of Olives and I'll show you where all these bits are. I'll show you, you know, where the Muslim Dome of the Rock is. It's not supposed to be there. That's where the temple was supposed to be. The temple was twice as tall as the Dome of the Rock and the Shekinah glory hovered above the temple. You know, you come with me to Israel and I'll show you. How ignorant are you? You're still, I mean, word's gotten out that the Shekinah glory thing is a big fraud and it's a false female god that the Jews came up with. It's not in the Bible anywhere, but he's still saying it. Why? Because he's ignorant. And he's dangerously ignorant. And you know what? It doesn't matter that you can show him. You know, we can get out of Hebrew Concordance and show him the word Shekinah is not anywhere in the Bible. It won't matter. It will not matter. He said it too many times. And for him to backtrack on what he's been preaching for years and what he's been selling for years, he's going to have to explain you know, how he raised all the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars he has being an idiot. And being clueless and ignorant. And he's not going to do that. He's not even going to come close to this. But you know what? He's going to perish in his own corruption. And it says, "...and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you." And let me tell you something all these guys have in common. And the ones I've been mentioning are no exception. They do a lot of feasting. Alright? And you know, they do a lot of feasting. And let me tell you something. They have been successful at making merchandise of God's people. They have been very successful. Look at verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery. Maybe that's why it doesn't seem so bad to them. Maybe that's why not tithing seems like it's worse than committing adultery. So having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children who have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. What were those wages of unrighteousness? Go back and read the story of Balaam. They promised him promotion and great honor and money. We'll give you money, promotion, and honor. I, that's what any pompous, arrogant fool wants. They want, they want that promotion. They want to be praised. And they want their money. 
That's what they promised Balaam. And these guys that are preaching this garbage, they're going the way of Balaam. Look at verse 8. Um, verse, we'll jump down to verse 18. It says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. The great swelling words. And let me tell you, you, you listen to the foolishness that Brian Sharp teaches. Do you know why it's effective? Because the man knows how to say it. Alright? He is a gifted speaker. He sounds so interesting. But if you start fact-checking this guy, you know, he's always like he's on these, you know, every guy likes action movies, alright? Every guy thinks that, you know, he's all watched the spy movies and thinks that, you know, would love to be in that position. Well, Brian Sharp, like a little kid, he, he gets up and he's always talking about their you know, how he's just got like these, you know, high connections and high places with the military and Israel and everything. And he's preaching on this one message and he tells them, now I'm listening, he tells them, right, is this being recorded? Shut off the recording. Right. He does this everywhere he goes. Brother Lonnie was with me. He did the same thing over in Moline when we heard him there preaching. He's always preaching. He always has to have him turn off the microphones. Make sure this isn't recorded. Come with me to Israel. Uh, I, I know what he said. I know what he said when he had him shut the microphone off. He's telling him, come with me to Israel. I can take you and I can show you this military base. He'll talk about this military base that's there in Israel that nobody knows about. You know, but high level people in him. And the thing is, I know where it is. It's on Mount Hermon. It's on Mount Hermon. You know how I found out about it? You know what my, you know what my connection was? One of the top spies in the world. Google. Alright? Google. You go on Google Earth and go on Mount Hermon and you can see the UN military base up there. I mean, it's, it's right there for everyone to see. And, and he talks about this stuff like this is a big secret. I've heard him talk about these other places he can go in Jerusalem. Come with me to Jerusalem and I can get you in to this one. And he'll talk, talk about these places he can get you into like he's the only one that can do it because of his connections with all these Jewish rabbis and stuff. And I'm thinking, I went there. We went there when I was in Israel, and our person, you know, our our leader never said he had these high level connections. He just paid the fee, you know. And that that's how he's getting in there. You know, you give give them money, and they'll do whatever you want. That's how you do that. And man, but he makes it sound so good. It sounds so good. Did you guys know that he has the jawbone of the ram that Abraham sacrificed in place of Isaac? He's got it hanging on his wall in his office. And that's a long story. I won't go into that story, but I've got it. I've got the evidence. I've heard him tell that story many times. Yeah, he's got it. The Jews didn't know what it was when they found it, but he knew what it was. I mean, now, boy, that you know that sounds so interesting. All right, man, this guy's so great. He's got all these things, man. You know, God's really blessing him. These are great swelling words of vanity that that he that these guys are promoting. They're making merchandise of people, and when you listen to the just the ignorant, foolish statements, when he says, you know, you want God to bless your finances, bless the Jews. I will bless them to bless thee, and curse them to curse thee. And thy seed, and these shall all nations of the world be blessed. He'll talk about the seed. I listen to him talk about the seed. Brian Sharp hates Schofield. He preaches against Schofield, but when he talks about the seed in Genesis, he says descendants. Just like Schofield. That's, that's who teaches that. 
And he does it too. He's too ignorant to go to Galatians where it refers to that passage and it says the seed is not seeds of the many, but as the one which is Christ. He doesn't know that. How does he not know that? You know why? Because he can't see it. He had blinders. And listen, there was a time I was I was Zionist. There was a time I believed that junk. Part of it was because Brian Sharp was one of my favorite preachers in that time. And I listened to all his junk. And let me tell you something. I will never forget. When I read Galate, I read through the Bible before I got right in Israel. I had read through the Bible over 20 times. And I remember when I was studying stuff in Israel, I remember reading Galatians 4 and reading about the allegory of you know Abraham and his two sons. And I read that story and I'm like, I almost started believing in the Mandela effect, you know, that supposedly made changes in the Bible. So I'm like, I have never seen this before. This is really clear. I mean, Galatians 4 is so clear. Do you know I've never heard a dispensationalist preach on Galatians 4? I've never heard a non-dispensational Zionist preach on Galatians chapter 4. I had never preached on Galatians 4 then. But I'm telling you, when I got right on that subject, I, when I read Galatians 4, it was as though it had gotten added into the Bible. I was, I was embarrassed. I'm like, what did I miss? How did I miss that? I mean, it blew my mind. You know why? Because there was a blinder that was there. Unfortunately, I got caught up in a false doctrine. I had heard that pro-Israel stuff. And you know, thankfully, I was able to get over the pride and the Lord was able to show me what is so clear in the Scriptures. You know, and why is it? Why is it the replacement people are the only people that preach Galatians 4? Hey, if we're preaching it wrong, why don't they, these guys preach it right? Why, can, why is it we can't get them to touch Galatians 4 with a 10-foot pole? Why is it that when I talked to Sam Gipp and I brought up Galatians 4, he ran away? Literally. You know, because they don't want to see it. They got a blinder on, and they're making merchants. And I could, I could just tell you, just I mean, the amount of foolishness I have heard just in this last week from some of these preachers that are getting fat off the people of God, that are just getting, they're getting filthy rich, making merchandise out of people, and they will make the most foolish, ignorant, idiotic statements that you will ever hear. And you say, how can that happen? Because they've got blindness of heart. Because sin is in the way. It's greed. These guys are these guys are motivated by animal lust is what it is. It's lasciviousness. That's what the Bible says. And they use covetousness. And the thing is, when you have the biblical position on Israel and things like that, that's not going to make you real popular. You see, if you have the wrong interpretation of Israel, then you're going to feel real good watching Fox News and being a Republican. Listen to these guys, you know, be pro-Israel and all that. But you know, nobody, everybody wants to like feel like they're a part of a big group somewhere. But you know what? Unfortunately, here's the other thing: Brian Sharp doesn't understand too. You know, Brian Sharp loves to talk about his relationship with the Jews. He loves to talk about how much they love him, and he talks a lot about how much they love him. And what's interesting, he'll talk about how much the Jews love him and this great relationship he has with them. But you know what's interesting? If we're Christ-like, wouldn't they treat us the way they treated Christ? They killed Jesus. They killed Stephen. When Paul converted, they hated him. The Jews constantly persecuted believers, but they don't persecute Brian Sharp. Why do you think that is? You know why? You know, Jesus told the Jews, you know, he he blamed them for killing all the prophets. 
from Abel to Zacharias. And he said, you're the children of them that killed the prophets. And they ended up killing him. But these guys today, the Brian Sharps, the John Hagees, the Bill Grady's, all these guys, they go and they kiss the rears of these Jews over there in Israel. And these Jews love them. Why wouldn't you? You know, we're all going to love the guy that's kissing our rear and that's just giving us stuff. I mean, you just come and you just give me enough stuff. I'm going to have a hard time not liking you. You know, you just come, I mean, and just saying all these great things about me. And I'm telling you, these Jews have got to be laughing at them. They have got to be laughing at these guys who are coming over and just giving them money, buying them bullets and guns and bulletproof vests and all these military things, just buying them all this stuff. And all they got to do, these guys, they don't even give them a gospel presentation. They'll give them a track inside a Bible that doesn't even have the name of Jesus mentioned in there. It's not even mentioned in there. All they got to do is endure just taking a Bible from them. And you know they're not reading it. You know they're not. They're laughing at these people, you know, through this whole thing. And the truth is, these guys they are they are they're just they're dirty. They're greedy. They're motivated by greed. And so this ignorance, it's not a result of stupidity. It's a result of a bad heart. That's what their problem is. Turn over to First Timothy chapter six, verse three. First Timothy six, verse three says, "If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words." even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ into the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud and knoweth nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. These guys, you know how they judge who's right on who's getting the most stuff? And isn't that what Brian Sharp's motivation is? That he's getting people to give to the Jews? Get more stuff? That's what he's doing. And these people, they have this attitude that gain is godliness. Guys like Keith Gomez, he's one of the worst at that. Always like to talk about, you know, they always want to look at the buildings and the stuff that people have. And the thing is, people will look at Keith Gomez and they'll go to that palace of a building he has. They'll see that big crowd he has and they're thinking... I'll listen to this man. Why? Because they want what he has. He's convinced these people that gain is godliness. How could he be a bad guy? Look at that church. How could he be a bad guy? Look at that college and just the hundreds and hundreds of animal heads he has stuff. I can't even imagine how much all that costs. I can't even I can't even imagine. You know, he'll say it's just God blessing. Just God blessing. And then people say, Wow, man, I want to be blessed like that. I want to be able to afford to go on all these African hunting trips and Alaska hunting trips and be able to get giraffe head stuff and you know, buffalo stuff. And, I mean, all that stuff. I mean, who doesn't want that? I'd like to do all that, but it's not looking good in the finances. Uh, I can't even afford to go deer hunting. But <laughs> And so, therefore, I'm, I must be wrong. I must be doing something wrong. Maybe we should start supporting Jews and they're going to afford to go on a hunting trip. I don't know. But they judge who is right by who has what they want. That's how they're judging They'll see the guy in the small church that doesn't have a million dollar building. I don't want what he has. And I've listened to Keith Gomez criticize guys. You know, I remember you know, he would always talk about Pastor Anson as church of fifty. You know, even though he had a lot more than fifty. But you know, here's why he thinks that, because he's got a storefront building. You know, and that's just that's way too humbling for him. He would never do that. You know, he's got that million dollar building, and it doesn't matter that in his storefront building he's reaching far more than Keith Gomez will ever even think about reaching. You know, he won't bring that up. But the thing is, materially, when you look at, you know, churches like Pastor Anderson's, you know, 
it's not going to knock your socks off. While you go to Keith Gomez's, it will knock your socks off. For sure. And that's how these people see things. Money, power, notoriety. These are the things they want. And if you don't have these things, and you only have Bible, they have no need for you in their twisted mind. They, and they, notice what it says too. You know, these people too, that do this, they, they have perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing they gain his godness. What's funny, when I'm reading this passage too, and in verse uh, 4, it talks about how they're proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and surmising. I watched. I was at the Revival Fires Conference and I watched Brian Sharp and Keith Gomez having a conversation that I could tell was not going good. Because Keith Gomez is dispensational. Brian Sharp is non-dispensational. But at the same time, they are both as pre-trib as all get out and as pro-Jew as all get out. And you know what they were fighting about? Words. Strivings of words, doting about questions. Brian Sharp calls Keith Gomez replacement theology. That's what he, that's what he calls. He calls dispensationalism. I haven't figured out where that's coming from yet. I haven't figured out how they do it. But he was calling them that. You know, where Brian or Keith Gomez would think he's replacement theology. You know, I mean, just and these guys are they're, they're having these. There's like this quiet conflict going on in the old IB right now between the dispensational and non-dispensational. And guess what? They're wrong on both sides. You know why? Because they still are just all about the Jews and pre-trib and they just look like a bunch of fools arguing with each other. Neither of them have a clue. Neither of them know what they're doing, but they are. What are they going to do? They're going to judge by who's right. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to look at whose conference has more people show up. You know, who gets more supporters? Who has more money? Who has bigger churches? That's what they go for. And so the reason... The reason many people can't see the truth. A lot of this has been about false prophets. I'm just going to deal with this quickly. Turn over to John chapter 3. Before we're not careful, we, I believe, even saved people can get ourselves in trouble. If we allow certain sins in our life, they're going to be blinders to the truth. They are going to obstruct truth. But look at John chapter 3, verse 18. Right after John 3, 16 and 17, well-known verses. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now, the repent of your sins crowd, which is both of these guys I've been talking about, the repent of your sins crowd, they will use this verse as proof that you have to turn from your sins in order to be saved. That you at least have to be willing to give up your sins. Because if salvation is just believing on Christ and it's not turning from your sins, well then, what's this talking about here in John 3 when it's saying they love darkness rather than light? It looks to me like they have to turn from the darkness and they have to go towards the light, wouldn't that apply a repentance of sins? And I've had people bring that up. But notice, nowhere in that passage does it mention you have to quit sins in order to be saved. Or even change your mind. It doesn't say that. But listen, here's what it's talking about. A person who sees the light, okay, a person who allows the light to shine in their lives, they will be able to see the truth of their sinful condition. They will, if a person allows that light to shine in their life, they will now realize, 
I'm on my way to hell. And you know what? Some people are so corrupt, they don't want to think about that. Some people are so sold out to their sin that they don't want to think about that. They don't want to know. You know, you all heard the statement, well, you don't know won't hurt you. Alright. Well, it will in this case. Big time. Some people are so full of the flesh, they won't even consider trying to find out if what they're doing what they're doing is wrong. They don't want to know. See, because if, if people knew the cost of their sin, they wouldn't be able to enjoy it. You know why I don't like going to expensive restaurants? Because I don't have to pay for it. I'm sure the food's great, but you know what? When we were down, when we were in Tennessee, the people at, the, uh, at all Scripture, they were all telling me about how Pastor Fritz recommended. Hey, let's go to this Brazilian steakhouse place. I think it was. He's like, it'll probably only be like thirty bucks, thirty bucks a piece. And so they went there, and it ended up being like seventy. You know, and so everybody was mad at him for recommending. He's like, I didn't know. I figured it'd be thirty bucks. That ended up being like seventy. Now I don't care how good a steak tastes. I'm not going to enjoy it if I know I've got to pay seventy bucks. Okay. Now, if you pay for it, I'll enjoy it. Okay? But if I have to pay for it, I can't enjoy that steak. Now, I'm sure they enjoyed it because they thought they were going to pay 30 bucks. But if they had known they were going to pay 70 they wouldn't have had as much fun. And you know what? If people, if they knew where their sin was going to lead them, if they knew what it was going to, it was going to cost them, they would not want to do those sins. They would not be able to enjoy those sins. They still might do them but they wouldn't be able to enjoy them knowing what the cost would be. So you know what they do? They hide from that light. That's what that's talking about right there. And so even if you know what for so you know when you talk about hell for example, you know many people they don't believe it, right? If if people knew if they didn't put their faith and trust in Christ they would go to hell, wouldn't they all get saved? Yeah, but why so why don't they? Cuz they don't believe it. Right? They don't believe it. And whenever that the Holy Ghost starts to work on them and that light shines, Jesus Christ is that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You know what many people do? They say, you know what? I would rather enjoy my sin. And so what do they do? They stay away from the light. And it's not that it, that's not teaching you have to repent of your sins. What it's saying is that that sin, though, it can blind you to the light. They will let those things cause them to shield that light because they don't want to see it because they want to keep doing what they're doing. And you know why many of these false prophets that are out there today, while they'll never get the Scriptures figured out, is because they are not willing to accept the truth when it shows. That's why they're not going to ever preach on Galatians chapter 4. You're not going to hear a dispensationalist preach from Galatians chapter 4. Not the whole chapter. It'll be too easy for him to expose himself if he does that. And so we've got to, you know, the greatest obstruction to truth is sin. People who can't see truth is because they have a sin problem. And you know what? That goes for us too. You know, we're all good at seeing everybody else's sins, aren't we? But we still often struggle seeing our own sins. It's, you know, if you're one of these people and you read your Bible, you're just seeing everybody else's sin because it's because you've got a problem. And if you need to get right with God, so when you read the Bible, you can see your sins and you can get them fixed. You can get these things right so you don't end up being corrupt. But these false prophets, it is. It's all about the money. It's all about greed. That's all they can see. So there's, there's blinders that are up. You know, I was foolish to think I was going to change Sam Gibbs' mind on anything. He's got too many people that support him. He's got too many ruckards that have him preach in his church every year. And if he would have looked 
at Galatians 4. You know, if he, if he had just looked at it and talked about it, you know, he would have, if he would have accepted the truth of it, he would have hurt himself financially. And he wasn't taking a chance on that. Brian Sharp, he started teaching a lot of good stuff recently against dispensationalism, but yet he's still dead wrong when it comes to Israel and the rapture. Why? Because that would cost him too much. He's raised too much money buying stuff for Jews. He can't admit he was wrong. That it would, it would, all the money would go away. And so he's never going to see it. He will never see it because he's got dollar bills in front of his eyes when he's reading. And so we need a, the Bible is very clear what the problem is on these things. These people have a blindness of heart. There are specific sins that are covering their eyes and they will not be able to see these truths. It's, it's not capable until they fix their greed problems, until they fix their pride problems, until they fix those things, we will never be able to teach these people the truth on this stuff. They've got to be willing to get rid of those things. And so I hope this was clear. I hope that, and I hope this will help you understand when you're hearing these false prophets thinking, you know, sometimes it's like, there must be something to it or these guys won't be preaching it. How can they not see it? Am I missing something? No, they're missing something. And they do. By the things they say, by the foolish things that come out of their mouths, we find out where their hearts are at. And Keith Gomez revealed where his heart was at when he says, show me in the Bible where God ever killed people because of sex sins. And then says, I'll show you where he killed people because of taking, you know, stealing the time. That right there he revealed where his heart was. Money. Greed. Just like the Bible says. He has a blind heart. Don't let that be you. Otherwise, because being blind can be dangerous. It can get you in, you can run into things and fall in pits and all kinds of bad stuff if you're not careful. We want to have clear vision spiritually. Otherwise, we're going to get ourselves in spiritual trouble. And I, I want the blinders off. I want to be able to see clear. And so, I hope this was a help. Let's pray, dear Lord. We thank You so much for Your Word. I pray You'll help us, Lord, to just keep the sin out of our lives so we can see the truth. I pray You'll help us to just stay away from the pride and all the things that often can shield the truth from people. And You'll help us to just see things clearly so we can study Your Word and get what we need to have out of it. And I pray You'll help us to just rebuke those who are making merchandise of people and are leading people astray and leading them to hell and help others see the truth. In Your name we pray.